everybody. Welcome to the Full Court Press. AJ is wandering aloud. Yeah, I'm looking at the what's going on in life in and, the Mountain West. And as we've not, been doing like all season. He, yeah, exactly. He's not the only one. It's not the first time, and it definitely won't be the last time. Everybody, welcome to the Full Court Press. AJ Knight's in the house. Eric is absent today. I'm AJ Salveson here at 106 NFM 1390 AM The Fan, 106NTheFan.com, and of course, streaming on our 1069 The Fan mobile app. So grateful to have you guys joining us here on a Monday. Welcome to March. You know, AJ, it's interesting. Last year, it took about six months to get to the third month of the year. This year, we're already in March. Yeah, February did go by quick. Also, too, I feel like January felt like the 13th month of 2020. Oh, my gosh. seemed like it finally was 2021. Just kept going. So it felt all right. Felt all right. Also, hey. the only reason Eric's gone is I send him those weird timeshare deals all the time to get him out of here so I can get on the show every once in a while. <laughs> I you get my phone call. Eric's like, yeah, I'd love to go to Jamaica for three days. Just so yes. I get on the show every once in a while. <laughs> it works. I, AJ, always grateful to have you. AJ, the co-host of VFX in the morning, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. on 94.5 VFX. He's also my wonderful co-host and the creator of From the Bleachers podcast. I gotta tell you, I don't want to brag, but our most recent one was a ton of fun. Where I gotta can, get a little clip out. But where can we find that, by the way? There's actually just the you can find the link to go find it on the the uh, 106.9 The Fan Facebook page. It's up there. We had a former football player on BYU great Hans Olsen, who played for the Colts. Told us a great Peyton Manning story. Oh my gosh! Told us a great Lavelle Edwards story. Uh, we had a friend of mine who's a Colts fan argue with AJ about the Patriot. It was good. It was good. I and we gave the. And Jazz by the way, love. I'm still right. You guys, but okay, you Colts bugged the locker room. You put cameras on our sideline. You were filming our signals, and you didn't. And then you got caught, but you were able to get out of it. I don't get it because the NFL doesn't hate you guys. He sees you guys as good people. It's good. It but good. when it comes to the Patriots, oh hey, wait a minute, they won a Super Bowl. They got to be cheating. That's how it goes. Uh, from the Bleachers podcast, AJ and myself have a great time. We're going to be talking San Diego Padres baseball, I believe, on this upcoming Just one. getting ready for spring training and Can't whatnot. wait. Yep. Spring training is already underway. Started on Sunday. A host of games already it's got weird. through. Is it, am I the only one that's like, baseball, really? Like, I just feel like... I don't know. To me, like, it's the normal time, but I just feel like I'm not ready for baseball. I don't know why. Because, like, football's over, think- so... Yeah, There's a hole there I'm ready to fill. You're right. You know, in fact, that's a great point because basketball, I mean, NBA's not even at the midway break. Yeah. They, they're still a week away from yeah. that. Uh, and then their their season goes into July. Football, uh, college basketball is about to hit the tournament, conference tournament, and March Madness style here in the next two weeks. I'm ready for that. Uh, and so, yeah, baseball's kind of like showing up, and I was like, why are you I, here? And I know we're going to talk NBA later, but a, a little little teaser for you. So uh, I got together with my brother this weekend, and my girlfriend's a huge Jazz fan, and I want you to know I told him what uh, Nick Wright said about picking six teams. Oh, my goodness six gracious. to beat the Jazz in the, in the, well, the, crazy for the final, part. and we got a huge argument about it. I can't wait to hear and oh, I and I And I've got, you know what, my it's hall coming. of shame? It's got a it's got a leading candidate right now, <laughs> sure and I does. can't wait. I'm sure it does. Can't flip and wait. Hey, but let's start off with some Aggie basketball. They get the sweep over Nevada. Game one was a doozy. Game two ended up being a blowout. We'll start with game one. Final score: Aggie seventy five, Nevada seventy two. Utah State was up twenty one and cruising, looking like they were going to run away high to park the uh, car in the driveway and get out. And then all of a sudden, Nevada started hitting threes. And Cambridge was the leader in that. Cambridge went wild in the second half. He finished with, in 35 minutes, 5 of 11 from deep, 9 of 18 from the field for 23 points. Uh, He had three assists, three boards. But the Aggies were able to hold on. Here's the thing is that the Aggies scored at the 10-minute mark. 
they didn't have another field goal until less than a minute left in the game. And it wasn't so much the defense. It was the fact that they, they couldn't take care of the ball. They finished with 16 turnovers. Um, and, and a lot of it, AJ, was the entry pass. And I've always kind of wanted, because I always, when I used to, like, would watch basketball, what's so hard about throwing the ball to a seven-foot big guy? Like, just throw it to him. Just Fair get question. it there. I'm sure a lot of people have asked that question. But day. then, like, and then I play basketball, and I'm, like, three-foot nothing playing against a six-foot guy. Hey. And I'm like, dude, how am I supposed to get it me, to the- Me eating Cheetos on my bed. This is not <laughs> difficult, guys. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. I'm going to my Spaceballs movie again. Uh, no, but it, it, that, was, that was real. I mean, four or five of those turnovers were just trying to get it to the entry pass. I think that's just lack of focus. I mean, that's really what it yeah. is. It's not that it's not, like, not to say that it, it isn't difficult. Like, I don't want to do that because media gets that crap wrong all the time. But Or we catch that crap from athletes. Like, you don't know. But I, I think it's just lack of focus. Um you know, I think it was a good – it was obviously they came out in a good response after the heartbreakers to Boise, and you like seeing that. And then I think, it, you know, and I don't know, you've been around the team a lot. You've been manager for teams. You could probably speak to a little bit more. I think when you start crushing a team like that, you probably have a challenge like staying in the game. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. they probably well, just kind of just I ripped mean, it off a bit. It was crazy because you're up 21, you're thinking this thing's over. And all of a sudden it gets down to 15. You're like, oh, we're okay, we're okay. Gets down to eleven. You're like, all right, well, let's let's snap into it, and here we go. And then down to eight, and that's when you're all freaking out. I mean, that's when you're just losing your mind. Remember last year, Utah State had a 17 point lead on Boise State with four minutes left in the game. Yeah. Leon Rice benched his starters, and we're calling in the you know throwing in the white flag. Another freshman, Dennis, comes in, scores 16 of the next 18 points, and uh, we go to overtime, and Boise State wins it. So like that flashback kind of runs back in your mind, and you're wondering, "Oh boy, here we go again." That's fair. I mean, because that, I think that one would have been interesting. We saw the response, obviously, that they they pulled off in game two, and that's good to see. As obviously Craig Smith is a master getting this team ready at this time of the year, but I, I'm I I don't want to see what the Aggie season would have looked like if they had blown that Nevada game. It might have been oh like, my gosh. I mean, now we're going to be talking about can they possibly. Things go their way, get to the Mountain West, uh, win the regular season. We'll see, but they, you know, confidence is high based on what Craig Smith's done for the tournament. Man, they blow that first Nevada game. I don't know where the season goes. Yeah, it gets ugly pretty quickly, especially when you're looking at seeding. Now, they they won't drop to a five or a six seed. No, that was big. Yeah, that's 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 the key right now with everything that's going on. Is is now you're pretty much a lock for either the two or three seed. I would say the one. But I don't see San Diego State losing to UNLV, even if it is at UNLV. I just I don't see that happen. Uh, uh, Brian Dutcher's got that team focused. They just swept Boise State, which is I, I don't know. I wouldn't say hard to do, um, but to do it at home with no fans. Uh, Boise State's by the way just whining like crazy over that. Uh, there's well, I mean they dropped from first to fourth. I mean if you look at the win loss of the the sweep in Nevada was a big deal because it gives them seven losses. And what uh, Colorado State and Utah State got two left, and then San Diego and Boise have one apiece. But San Diego State's in conference thirteen to three, Colorado State twelve and three, Utah State thirteen to four, Boise State fourteen and five. I mean, that's how close it is. So, <laughs> I tell you though, when, I don't know when we're getting into this. I'm not happy with the AP's bracketology based on Boise State getting swept, but we'll get to that. Yeah, we are actually going to hit that here in the second segment again. Uh, final scoring game one seventy five seventy two. Uh, 
just and really, I think they, if anything, it was an impressive performance by uh, by your starters. Now again, Raleigh Wooster did not start. He had he was been dealing with a foot injury, so he didn't start. In fact, he didn't even play. So your starting lineup for the first time this season was Bean, Anderson, Keta, Miller, Anthony. That is an average of a six foot four starting lineup on height. Big boys, and it gave. The Nevada Wolfpack, all sorts of problems. Well, that second especially game, that rebounding the margin was... Absolutely. Ugh. In fact, the Yankees won the rebounding margin in game one, 38-28. Uh, they out-assisted Nevada 20-18, to and uh, and they did turn over the ball 16 times, which isn't good, but they shot uh, 50% from the field. They shot 52% from deep. Um, That'll get it done. Yeah. Actually, sorry. Yeah, 52% from... No, sorry, 44% from the field, 52% from three, 66% from the line. They were 18 to 27. Knocked down like five of those free throws, and we're not sweating this out. Yeah, no. You want to shoot at least mid-70s as a team. So, again, 75-72 final score in game one. Uh, for Utah State, Bean had 19, Anderson had 10, Keta had 16 and 17 boards. Uh, Miller had 10 points, and Marco Anthony finished with four. He had kind of a rush shooting night, went two or four from the field. Uh, Asterisk was the leading bench scorer with nine points in game one. Now, so let's go to game two. Aggies. And, and you know, everyone said, okay, because I told somebody that was Nevada's best punch right there. They exhausted themselves to every bit to try to get back in that game and then tie it or win it. And I said, no way does the Aggies let this game even be close. Final score, 87-66. So after the series sweep, Utah State now 16-7 overall, 13-4 in Mountain West Conference play. Nevada falls to 14-9 and 9-7 in Mountain West Conference play. What a game on senior night from Mr. Ketta and Mr. Bean. Again, in 27 minutes, Bean, 5-10 from the field. He was 1-3 from deep. In fact, his three three-pointers in game one were a career high. Go figure. He was 6-6 at the charity stripe. He had 13 boards, 17 points. Ketta, 9-19 from the field, 8-9 from the free throw line. He had 26 points, 13 boards, 6 assists, uh, and three blocks along with one steal in 33 minutes of play. Let me ask you something. NBA scouts, looking at a big man like Ketta, right. one of the biggest things is that, A, he wasn't physical enough last year, but he was just coming off an injury. Yeah. And two, his passing as a big man needed to be better. I think he has excelled, overachieved in both aspects this year, AJ. I think so. I mean... <sighs> Because obviously, what the NBA's moved to is positionless basketball. So it's not—it's not that there can't be a big. It's just that it's moved away from it. So if you are big, you got to be able to pass because they're not going to just drop in the block and let you drip, pound the ball on the pavement and make your move. You got to be able to do so. And then I think the big thing is obviously switching because of the way with the pick and roll and how important that is in the three-point line. You're not going to be able to just camp in the paint as well. So I think it's a big thing to obviously be able to pass the ball and then just be able to move. you got to be able to move and cover space. Obviously, we know what we can do at the rim. I think his free throw shootings improved. That's a big thing too, obviously, because you don't want to be a weakness, especially late in games. So, I mean, we know. We talked to um, Carl, right, when we talked to him leading up to Sam Merrill's draft night, and he told the same thing. He said, he said he he was getting calls, doing his due diligence. Team were on Merrill, and they were they were getting ahead. They were getting ahead a uh, year ahead on Kata, asking about him. So we know there's already been teams paying attention to him. Uh, Alfonso Anderson in his final game, what may be his final game as an Aggie, finishes four ten from the field, one of five from deep, three three at the line, uh, twenty four minutes. He had twelve points, 
two steals and two turnovers. Brock Miller had a just a rough go at it. He goes 0-7 from the field, 0-5 from deep in 17 minutes, no points. Uh, he had one foul, he had one turnover. Poor guy. Uh, and they still beat him by 21. And, okay, so actually hold that thought for a second because we're about to get to there. We're just about to get there. You hold on right there. Uh, Steven Ashworth was a quiet in 20 minutes, 2 of 4 from the field, 5 of 5 at the line. He also had uh, 9 points and 4 assists. Max Shulga, freshman. This guy has got some of the sexiest swag. Just moxie. I'm telling you. Okay, first game, he's, I mean, it's his first, like, meaningful minutes. He goes in, he dribbles onto the right wing, pump fakes the three, the guy bites. Shulga holds the bike. He palms the ball with his right hand in the air as to like kind of tease him with it, like it's a cheese playing with a mouse. And then pump and then pulls the three and he misses it, but the crowd would have went freaking nuts. Yes, yes, they would have. Yesterday, yesterday, he uh he gets a steal. Okay, he's like maybe like I think he's like 45 seconds to a minute into the game, gets a steal. And I'm not even freaking kidding you. He throws the sexiest Allen Iverson-esque bounce pass at about 48 feet to Marco, who then goes ahead and says, you know what, that's too good of a pass. I'm going to botch the open dunk. Dude, ah, if I, I'm Max Shulga and we bad. go to the media, I'm telling Marco, you owe me dinner. Yeah, well, what I'm hearing is Max Shulga's bad luck. <laughs> Max Shulga was absolutely phenomenal, uh, and his and his numbers don't say it, but it's his play that does. In 24 minutes, he was two of five from the field, one of three from deep. He had seven boards, or excuse me, he had eight boards. Uh, he had five points, two assists, three steals for a freshman. Contributions, contributions. Raleigh Wooster made his first appearance back since Fresno game one. Not bad. 14 minutes, 1-3 from the field, 1-3 from deep. Uh, he had, did he rack up? He racked up four fouls in 14 minutes. Wow. Uh, had three points, two assists. Uh, it was just good to see Raleigh back on there because you want a big physical guard who can play D, yeah. and he brings just such a calming influence. And uh, you, have, as a big Purdue fan, know about guys guards with veteran experience and brings calming impact and influence. Well, more importantly, I think a big thing is is that you want to bring them along slowly. So hopefully, right, you got the Wyoming and Fresno makeup games, and so he gets two more game action before you get into Mountain West Tournament. Just get his legs under him, hopefully, so you can, if not count up for his normal rotation, at least know he's going to be there. I mean, that's one of the things I think that's impressed me most about Craig Smith. I mean, I mean you've been close to the program anybody – each year, it's not just that he has surprised in the players he's developed. Each year, the team has gotten deeper. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a really yeah. And, and and the other thing is, you lost Sam Merrill, and so your offense is supposed to suck now, right? Yeah, it's actually gotten better. I mean, they got a huge, great rotation of guards that do a lot of different. I mean, that's that's just so impressive. I mean, if there is anything that imp- should impress you about Craig Smith, besides the clutch performance of his team, obviously in two in back to back Mountain West tournaments. It's the fact that it just whoever he finds, he makes it work. He knows he yeah. knows how to fit people in his system. They come in and it just seems to work. All right, so let's go through some notes really quickly. With that win, the Aggies under head coach Craig Smith improved to seventy and twenty-two, thirty-eight and four at home, forty and thirteen in Mount West Conference, twenty-three and three versus Mount West Conference teams at home. Only and none of those games have they lost by double digits. By the way, at home in those Mountain West Conference losses. They're 39-23 all-time versus Nevada, 23-5 at home. They've won the last four in the series. 
Aggies have also out-rebounded every single opponent this season. Not one team has out-rebounded them. And their 17 offensive rebounds is the 19th time this year. They've hit double digits in that category. And they've out-rebounded uh, its opponent by double digits 12 times this season. Last night it was 47-24 over Nevada. Oh, uh, yeah. And for one one other stat, Ajit and Troy, Akeda and Bean had more rebounds than Nevada as a team. Team. Isn't that nuts? In fact, we're going to get to Akeda and Bean in here in just a bit. Utah State had 22 assists. Uh, that's the seventh time this year that they've had 20-plus assists in the game. Uh, their 12 turnovers are tied for its fewest in the last 14 games. They shot a season-high 92% at the line. They went 25 of 27 at the line. Live with that. 25 free throws made are the second most in the game this year. Uh, they sh- uh, had a season-high tying 11 steals. That's the third time this year they've had double digits in that category. Namish Keda. It's his 11th double-double this season. It's his fourth in as many games, 25th in his career, 10th, which is 10th most in school history. It's the 18th time this year, 55th in his career, scoring in double figures. 13th this year, 32nd in career with double-digit rebounds. And by the way, he's now tied with Bob Lurisky and Wayne Estes for six most double-digit rebound games in school history, something that Bean just passed last night as well. Ked also had a career-high six assists. Is he your player of the year in this conference, or do you look elsewhere? Oh, jeez. Because Derek Alston looked like crap against San Diego State. Matt Mitchell hasn't really played. that. He's been out too long. And, I mean— And Sherfield just got absolutely— I'm just shredded by that Aggie defense in the last two games. I'm going to say yes, because, like, so San Diego State lost uh, Flynn, right, because he got draftees with the Raptors. Yeah. But, I mean, you you talked about this. I know you got some flack for it, but you had uh, Sam Merrill's where on the all-time Aggies list? Was he one? I had him one. You had him one. Thanks for bringing that up. Now I our listeners are going to just scream at me sure. again. But, I mean, you, so regardless, even if people say he's not one, I would assume most people have him on the rush more, if not top five, yeah. right? Oh, no, absolutely. So you're talking about losing someone of that importance, and it's not like not like Kata was an, was an unknown then. You knew what he was. But the, the fact that, like you said, this team was expected to flop and – he took a bigger role. He what? He's he's on the you mentioned so he's 10 6 6 for double digit rebounds. Yep. He's 10th for double doubles. 10th in school history. Yeah. Where's he at on blocks? Uh and then in blocks. Oh, he's first in blocks. So he said first By a in blocks. In fact, he's about to break his own record. So he's doing that and you know, you talk about losing one of the greatest Aggies in program history. Well, yeah, and another one steps up. I don't obviously. I don't think Kate is going to be thought of in the same vein as Merrill, but he's he's trudging <laughs> well, that here, way. Well, here's the thing, though. Someone said it last year, and they said it really well. Sam Merrill's the best player on the team. Namish Ked is the most important player on the team. I think I'd buy that. Inside out's important. Well, <sighs> but when you can draw a double, yeah. and then allows your perimeter guys to just take wide open practice jump shots, it kind of gets ridiculous. I, uh, <laughs> I know what the I know whoever said that I know what they're going for, but I mean, Sam Merrill was the most important player last year. <laughs> yeah, at least in the Mount West Conference tournament, <laughs> that, without a that, doubt, without sure. a doubt. Uh, Justin Bean, just uh, this story of this guy just gets more phenomenal by the year and by the day, by the game. He posted a six double double this season. He had 17 points and 13 rebounds, second in as many games, 23rd in the career. That's 11th most in school history. He's just uh, he's what, 11 behind Amir Keta. 14th time, 14th time this year, 39th in career in scoring double figures. Eighth this year, 33rd in career with double-digit boards. And is tied with Mike Santos for the fourth most double-digit rebound games in school history. He passed Wayne Estes and Bob Lurisky last night. Ked is right on his heels. Bean also had a career high 
or season high with three steals. Uh, Nimi and Justin Bean together have posted double-doubles in the same game for the second straight game, fourth this year, fifth in their careers, uh, which is just outstanding. Fonzo was great. He had double figures. Marco Anthony as well. Uh, Max Shulga had a season high, 24 minutes with season highs of eight boards, four steals, two assists. Aggies now get ready for March. They got their mojo back. And by the way, in regards to Mountain West Conference tournament regular season and tournament play, Craig's record, a beautiful 8-0. and All over that. I mean, the the Wyoming and Fresno State games, I don't think any – I mean, I would agree. I don't expect to be challenged. I think they're just important for resume because uh, I don't know. I kind of lean with you. We'll see what bracketology is. I know we're going to get into that. Uh, and you and I, two weeks ago on our, our podcast, had um, Eli Betker in, and he talked oh, about – so good. He talked about – I asked him point blank. I said, how big a deal are those three missed games the Aggies had earlier this season when you look at the win totals? And he said they're big. He said they don't do anything for resume, but when you look at uh, the non-Power 5 conferences, people like to see those win totals run up. He's, his specific quote was 17-3 and three looks much better than 14-3. and three. AJ, you and I are getting ready to be the head coaches of Valparaiso basketball. And so I wanted to ask you – Historic program. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, so Mountain West Conference is playing games in this open week. Yes. Colorado State's got three games. Utah State's got two. San Diego State, Boise State each have one. What would you rather have? Two games and some mo- momentum going into next week? Or would you have one game and rest going into next week's Mountain West Conference tournament in Vegas? So, if I'm the Aggies, I think it's two because... The rest, I think, is important, but you're also trying to build your resume. And so I think, again, if you could stack up the wins against Fresno and Wyoming, which I think they're going to, then that would make Utah State 18-7. and Overall, make them 15-4 and in conference. I think that's a big deal going forward because I think it could make a difference. It's going to be a razor's edge on, I think, the, the first four in and the, last, and the first four out and the last four out or whatever, the next four out. And so I think that's a big deal, especially especially when you talk about how much like jostling has happened in the Mountain West. Because as I'm looking at the bracketology right now, I can tell you, and we're going to do a little bit later, Boise State is is firmly in in the one I'm looking in. And that kind of surprised me since that's they crazy got swept. To me. I know. I'm with you. But I think the, and Colorado State's not even in the first four out in this one. <laughs> So the jostling in the Mountain West is a big deal. So I think stacking up those two more wins is it would be huge for Utah State going into the tournament. Yeah, uh, that then that's a good point because remember, Boise State only has one game. Utah State has two, and like you said, it's going to move up. It's going to move the needle on who finishes where. Now, of course, Utah State controls their own destiny. You win out, you're the third seed, maybe second seed, depending on what Nevada, Colorado State do. Maybe a four-way tie for first, depending on what San Diego State, Boise State, and Colorado State do, as well as yourself. Seriously. But again, I think it's just nice that you're able to control your own destiny, that you have the control. Like, look, we just win out, everything's going to take care of itself, and we can't finish any lower than third. Now, it doesn't matter what Boise State does at this point. Yeah, it's true. I mean, again, so just the loss totals in the Mountain West, San Diego State, Colorado State have three, Utah State has four, Boise State has five. By the way, uh, here is the quirky news in regards of that Mount West Conference tournament. The Aggies finishes a three seed. Game one, the Thursday quarterfinal game, is at 8.30 Pacific time. That's 9.30 here. Right. They win that game. They play 10 o'clock Mountain Time on Friday with a 3 o'clock championship game on Saturday. That's such a quick turnaround. That is for the three seed where the Aggies sit. Boise State, meanwhile, if they were a four seed, 
would end up playing at 2.30 and 6.30, respectively, Thursday and Friday, with a 3 o'clock championship game. Now, so they might get that one San Diego State team in there, but you also have you don't have to worry about turning around. Because I remember the, the last year, um, I think uh, we were told about the story. They, I mean, they turned around and played, and Carl, or not Carl, uh, Nate Jarvis and Sam had to go shopping at McDonald's for yep. some food about 1 o'clock in the morning. Yep. Because everything was shut down because it was so late at night. Yep, yep. That was, that was a good episode. It was a good. It was a good uh, show because he told us the story. Yeah, I mean that time sucks. Yeah, that's a brutal turnaround. <laughs> but I mean, as we found out uh, this week, I think especially with Utah State, their scheduling leaves a lot to be desired. Amen. Absolutely. All right, coming back on the full court press. AJ's been begging to talk about it, and I think it's we time we to. do. Bracketology, where does it sit, where does it look, and how do they look? Mountain West Conference, and Power 5 teams, and other mid-major teams, uh, where can they be found on the latest Bracketology? It's all coming up here on the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. AJ Knight, I'm AJ Salveson, Eric Absent today. He'll be back, actually. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Eric might be joining us from afar for the next few days, so... Uh, but AJ Knight's here to cover. We appreciate him being here, co-host of VFX in the Morning, 94.5, uh, part of the Cash Valley Radio Network. And he's also co-host of the From the Bleachers podcast, uh, really fun podcast that I'm able, able to be a part of with AJ. Um, we had some great guests on so far. One of those guests was Eli Becker. And in that conversation, there was a lot of talk. I and mean, this is like three, we, two, three weeks ago, give or take. And we were talking two weeks ago, two yeah. weeks ago and we're talking bracketology. Well, now we're back to it. Why? Because things are starting to get saucy here as we get one week away from conference play or conference tournament play with one week of open basketball and makeup games left for the a lot of other conferences, but especially the Mount West Conference. So let's look at bracketology right now. And AJ, since you've been just hashing it out in your brain and with your eyes showing like just laser beams that you want to well, shoot the computer screen, what do you got? So I double-checked. So I got two open now. So I pulled up USA Today, which I'm pretty sure uses AP, right? Yeah, uh, and so in theirs, uh, they've got in the Midwest bracket, Boise State's a nine, and this was put out today, so it was it's updated, and they got San Diego State in the South, they're an eight, and then they've got Utah State as one of the last four in, and Colorado State is nowhere to be found, and so that drives me bonkers because I feel like Boise State has been flirting with like not being in. And then they get swept by San Diego State, who seems like a lock at this point. They've been a lock for what seems like three weeks now. And there's still a solid one in. But then you look at ESPN. So the last four buys has Boise State in. So that means they're not going to play in a playing game. Last four in has Colorado State as the 68 team in. And then next four out has Utah State. They are number eight on the way out behind Minnesota, Richmond, Michigan State, Duke, Old Miss, Georgia Tech, etc. And so San Diego State and Boise State are locked in. I think it has Boise State as a 10 uh, and San Diego State as a 8. They get Ohio State. See, this one's this gun can't be right either because it still has Ohio State as a 1. Brackets are all over the place. I don't agree with them. I'm mad. Okay, so let me ask you. Gun, Baylor hasn't played a whole lot of games this year. Right. I mean, they, they've had COVID issues. They lose one. Do you think that's fair enough for them to be knocked out to a 2 seed? Or do you feel like... Hey, look, COVID's kind of taken over their season. I would still put them at a one. To me, it's the latter. I mean, we've talked, you and I in a podcast have covered a lot of college basketball, and, and everybody says the same thing. If you, you do the eye test, it's Zaga Baylor. 
Those are the top two. Michigan has really flirted with it as well. They've only got one loss, but those are the top two teams. So I think what I saw was that Zaga was the number one overall seed and Baylor was the second number one. I think they've dropped to three and Michigan stepped in front of them. But nah, they're number one still to me. Now, Jeff Gassaway of ESPN.com did his little tournament bubble watch right now. And in the ACC, he has locks of Virginia, Florida State, Clemson. Makes sense. Yes. Should be in, should be Votech in Louisville. Or, excuse me, Votech. Work to do is Louisville, even though they beat Duke. North Carolina and Duke are on that list as well, as is the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, who, by the way, have a massive game against Duke coming up this week yeah. or not. If I, I don't know if it's tonight or this week. Um, but, I mean, it's just a, it's a huge game. Actually, it's tomorrow night. Sorry, it's in Atlanta, Duke and uh, Georgia Tech. I think whoever wins that game has the front row seat in the uh, – should be in I think Georgia Tech, from ACC. what I've seen, my brother lived in Atlanta, so he's kind of a de facto fan. I think they've been cruising recently. Duke, Duke – it's ironic. AJ and I did a whole podcast talking about the death of the Blue Bloods. And, like, that oh, week – Oh, man. That week, Kansas knocked off uh, Texas – Texas uh, – <laughs> Uh, Duke beat Virginia. <laughs> you jinxed it. Yeah, I did. So like, and then they, did North Carolina get a win too in a I big think game? They, I think they did. Duke and those two were the big ones. So like, Duke kept themselves alive. But here's what here's what's crappy, especially as a Mountain West fan. You know, the the end of the day, that it doesn't matter what the resumes are if they're comparable, which isn't going to be the case either. But comparable, they're going to put Duke in because it's Duke. See that's and see that's where I have a problem is because it's 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 rain it's. Name recognition Even though and story tradition. Terrible. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And they're probably going to be a first round exit. And people are going to even yeah. be more upset that they took away a spot from another team. Yeah. But uh, that's, again, it's name recognition. It's Coach K. Do we well, really want to keep Coach K out of it and send him to the NIT? That's what's crazy to me. I mean, listen, listen to this. Listen to this. So, okay. in the first four, the first, so the eight out, according to ESPN, includes Minnesota. Okay. Michigan State in the first four out, Duke, and then I mean name uh, there's Georgia Tech, Old Miss as well. But I mean, in what year is Michigan State and Duke not at this point? You're like, ah, oh, they're top four seed. <laughs> they're a lock. They're top four seed. Like that's insane. That's how this year has gone. Kansas has played their way in. I think UNC's out. Right? They're still not in. Are they yeah. still not in? I don't think so. Why is Duke in? They're 10th seed here in wait, the ESPNs. Wait, North Carolina's a 10th seed? Yeah, they're going to play Colorado in the uh, whatever region four is here That's in ESPNs. Bunch of baloney. That makes me want to throw up. <sighs> That's crazy. I hate this thing. Uh, it, yeah. So the bubble right now, according to Jeff Gasway of ESPN.com, he has 26 teams that are locks. 30 teams available for 22 available spots, uh, 10 teams that should be in, and 20 teams that have work to do. In the Big 12, he has Baylor, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Texas, Kansas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State as locks. Yeah. I'd be I'd be okay with that. Big East, he has Villanova, Creighton as locks, which makes sense. Work to do, Xavier. Uh, Connecticut, Seton Hall. Seton Hall. They That's were ranked. I think they were ranked earlier this year. Connecticut, though, I mean, their they're at-large profile isn't that great. Man, talk about a program that's really, like, fallen. Oh, yeah? I know. Just, you, I mean, when they used to be, like, you talk about, like, cream of the crop year in and year out. Yeah. That was Connecticut. Like, growing up really watching basketball. Like, oh, you the knew George Connecticut Towns was. Connecticut's. Absolutely. Big Ten, some of the conference that you're very familiar with. This- they- Loaded. Locks loaded. is Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, and yours, Purdue. Yep. Should be in Rutgers. Probably. Maryland. Yeah. 
work to do, Indiana yes. and Michigan State. Yeah, they're both 7-10 and 10 in conference. What does Michigan State have to do? Do they have to get – okay, because some people say – like it's, it's interesting because when you talk about a G5 conference or a mid-major conference in basketball terms, uh. it's – well, you got what do you got to do in the tournament? But for these Power Five conferences, it's what do you got to do in the regular season? Because if you can do it in the regular season, tournament's not going to matter. They, what? Oh, so, they beat Ohio State. So is that is that the same? Is, do you agree with that preference in regards to the Big Ten that the tournament doesn't matter? It's what you do in the regular season at this point for the Big Ten. Um. Like yeah. For example, Michigan State. Yeah, usually, usually, if the Big Ten tournament matters, it's usually like you have to win one game because, like, that would be a bad loss, and then then you're you're good. Some to, like because the problem the Big Ten's weird. I always feel like the tournament is irrelevant because it happens like their championship Sunday, and then the selection shows like right after. So it's like, does it really matter? They've made up their mind. Uh, but usually in the Big Ten tournament, usually their argument is. Um, like usually, you gotta avoid that first, the, whatever the first round is. You gotta avoid that because that'd be a bad yeah. loss in sink. If you get that one, you're in. Michigan State, in all honesty, so they play IU tomorrow at home, so they gotta beat them because those two are jostling. And then they've got two games with Michigan, and obviously winning one would be a big deal. But Michigan State, to me, I didn't realize this. So in back-to-back games, February 23rd and February 25th, they beat number four Illinois at home, number seven Ohio State at home. Then they beat they lost to Maryland by 18 at Maryland, which makes no sense. And then they they play Indiana tomorrow. So they're they're I mean, that's the team itself. I think you beat Indiana. If you could be competitive at least against Michigan, which I would imagine they would because it's a rivalry game, and then probably win one game in the tournament, I think they'll squeak in. Because man, that's crazy. They've been bad, but I mean beating the number four and number seven teams in the same week. Because Illinois is Illinois is expected to be a one seed with Michigan. With Baylor and Gonzaga, and Ohio State's expected to be a two seat. Illinois' best team since 04 when they had the uh, Darren Williams led yeah. fighting line. Yeah, that was a good that team. was a good squad. It was a good team. It was a freaking good team. Oh, man. Uh, in the Pac 12, uh, you mentioned it. Colorado Buffalo should be in. He has a lock as USC. Uh, I didn't realize how good they were until we started talking to me Eli, neither. actually. Yeah, me neither. Mr. Betker. UCLA, led by Mick That's Cronin. Solid. Uh, looks like they are in control of their Pac-12 title destiny. Um, well, they were until they lost to Colorado. They had a four-game winning streak up to that point. Uh, so now they got a game in Eugene against Oregon. That's gonna be a big one for the Bruins. Oregon Ducks, by the way, uh, by the way are also in a should-be-in situation. Work to do for, is for the Stanford Cardinals. Uh, the SEC should be or locks or Alabama, who by the way, no, sorry, not Alabama. Alabama, Arkansas, and Tennessee are locks. But what Arkansas is doing under their psychotic coach, Eric Musselman, who likes to take his shirt off at random times. Like, here's the, the thing. is weird this year. I, I, I can't stand Eric Musselman. I hated him at Nevada. I think he's cocky. He's arrogant. And, uh, I, I, on, by the way, I don't like Mrs. Musselman either. Yeah. But what he's doing at Arkansas, yes. I didn't think he would make it three years. And now he looks like a guy who should be going pro, who should be coaching in the pros. But he's such a god of Arkansas right now because of what he's done with that program. It's amazing. And they just went and upset Alabama. Yeah. they're uh, The SEC is weird this year. Like, Tennessee is a normal one. I think I just saw them. They lost to, what, Auburn, I think, over yeah. the weekend. So they're, they're whatever. But, I mean, Alabama, I think, is supposed to be a two or three seed this year. It's crazy. That's nuts. And Arkansas, I'm with you. Like, you're like, 
Arkansas basketball. What? And I think they so it may, you have to check me on this, but I think they moved to the three seed line after, uh, according to Joe Lenardi, after their win over Alabama. Like they are now very much in that top three race. Yeah, the, it's weird because it's those two. What Missouri's in? I think. Yep, Missouri's in. Martin's had him ranked he has most a, of the season. Yeah, he has a Missouri as it should be in Florida, LSU as well. I'm paying enough attention to LSU, Florida. I would, I would think so. Florida, yeah. I, I think would be in there. LSU, I really haven't done much with them either. Uh, in the American Conference, his locks has been Houston. Work to do Wichita State and SMU. Uh, others, he has San Diego State as a should be in. He I has, mean, it feels. Like, you tell me. You're close to the Mountain West, and I am. It feels like I don't know what happened. It didn't seem like they beat anybody important, but like three weeks ago, all of a sudden, it just seemed like all bracketologists were like, "Yeah, San Diego State's a lock. They're good." I don't get this. They're in. And Eric and I talked about this last week, and I think you and I talked a little bit about it on the podcast. I don't understand how like bracket predictors can go from oh, there's four teams in the Mountain West Conference that are definitely good enough to be in the tournament to we're only putting two in though. I don't understand I don't, that. I don't know. Uh, he has locks as Gonzaga, BYU, and Loyola Chicago. Yep. Which I would agree with. Yep. Work to do is VCU, Boise State. Um, yeah. See that. See that's where I think I don't know where you are. Maybe it makes a little fresh for me, but. The brackets I have has Boise State like in. The ESPN one is a little bit closer because it has Boise State as uh, last four buys. Um, but like, I feel like you get swept by San Diego State. You're you're kind of teetering on the line because the whole Mountain West is teetering and you drop the fourth. Yeah, you should be teetering on the line. Yeah, absolutely. You're fourth in the conference. Now, San Diego State at one point was projected as a 10 seed from ESPN. But then they got swept. But it's interesting because the committee looks at so many different things, and they and they bring up different items every single year after their production day. But one of them is the body of work, right? Uh, Boise State has uh, a net ranking in the top forty. Um, they if they and I would assume that they beat Fresno. I would imagine that Boise State's still in no matter what. I mean, unless they have the, I, they, I think the unless kicker. they get upset as, and that's exactly where it's going. Early as the four tournament. seed, as they four seed, they would have to face Nevada as the five seed. Nevada swept Boise in the regular season. That might do it, and Nevada can knock him out. I wouldn't leave it out of their hands. They lose that if they don't. If they don't win, they win that because I think Nevada saw enough. Obviously, Nevada's not getting in, but. Nevada saw enough. You win that, I think you're in. You lose that, you, you're out. That it may just come down to that as long as they take care of Fresno State. He also has Bonaventure Drake. He has Colorado State as a team work to do. And now it's a crowded bubble, really crowded right yes. now. Yes, full of teams. We're yes, going to push is. each other off and on. Uh, they're one and one against the three top teams: Boise State, San Diego State, and Utah State. <laughs> and out of those four teams, they're the only team that hasn't got swept by either. Any of those three teams, right? Which is amazing. Yes. Um, their track and their net ranking is in the forties right now. Not bad. Uh, and if if nothing else, um, one of the best shooting teams in the country, one of the best offenses in the country. But if they beat Nevada on Friday with a little bit of help from UNLV, they could end up as the one seed going into the Mount West Conference tournament. Hey, so refresh my memory. What does the bracket look like for the Mountain West tournament? Like, so skip, skip, skip past the first one. Say San Diego State, Colorado State, Utah State, Boise. They're one, two, three, and four. Say they win their first games. Okay. What does it look like? Because honestly, the way you're saying this is, it may come down to whoever makes it to the championship game. Because it seems like it only wants two. 
Maybe there's a way a third one could squeak in if they get some help from the bubble, but it seems like the two teams that play for the Mountain West Championship, doesn't matter who wins, both of them are going to go. Okay, so first part, let's get through the standings really quick. It's the Aztecs, Rams, Aggies third, Broncos fourth, Nevada fifth, UNLV, Fresno State, Wyoming, San Jose State, Air Force, and New Mexico to cap it out. Uh, the tournament, as of right now, and I've got to find the bracket as well. I don't want to screw this up here. There we go. Sorry, I got to. The bracket right now would end up being, uh, as you mentioned, 6, 7, 8, sorry, 6 and 10. So UNLV. 7 and 8, yeah. So UNLV and... So, so the first Air game, Force. so the first game of the day would be on a Wednesday at twelve Mountain Time. That's the eighth and ninth seeded teams. So Wyoming and San Jose State. Game two of Wednesday would be the seventh ten game. Fresno Air Force. Six eleven at five o'clock. UNLV New Mexico. So I think we all assume UNLV Fresno and Wyoming is the higher seed. are going to win. Absolutely. Those. Okay. And New Mexico, by the way, isn't a given to go right now. Um, I, I don't know if they're even going to decide to go to the Vegas tournament. On Thursday, at 1 o'clock Mountain Time, uh, you will have the number one seeded team play, who do they get? 6-11 game? Okay, so UNLV, San Diego State, UNLV. So a rematch. They could play each other two times in a row. Well, San Diego State. Make sure I did that right. Winner of first round of game number one. Sorry, I lied to you. Uh, that would be the 8-9 game. So Wyoming, San Jose. So Wyoming. Okay. And then the 4-5 seed or 4-5 game is uh, game number two in the quarterfinal. Boise State, Nevada. Quarterfinal number three would be the two seed versus the... Um, seven, right? Yep, 7-10 game. So Colorado State, Fresno State. Oh, my heck. So that means then the late night game number, uh, the third-seeded Utah State Aggies would play the winner of the 6-11 game. UNLV. Oh, that's yuck. Are you serious? UNLV. I mean, UNLV and Nevada oh, can still jostle, because, no, jostle for oh. position because Nevada's 9-7 and, and UNLV is 8-8. Is, uh, eight and eight, But... Um, I don't think that changes. Yeah, I think that's stuck because then Fresno State's behind. Well, Wyoming's six and eight, so I don't know. I don't think that changes. So, I mean, Utah State is going to have some a tough road because you win that one, and then you get the winner of uh, of Colorado State and uh, what was that Fresno. I would rather have that game than the winner of San Diego State or Boise State. Give me Colorado State and Nevada and let Boise State and San Diego State beat the crap out of each other, and then you can pick up the scraps on Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Yeah, I think I would rather play Colorado State because the way it's going, I mean, I think the way it's going, maybe a third team gets in. If it's not San Diego State, say Boise upsets San Diego State, then maybe because San Diego State has seemingly been a darling, maybe then Boise State, San Diego State, and whoever wins between Utah and Colorado State gets in. But the way this is heading, I think it's the two teams in the championship game are in because you're going to play a decent opponent for your first game because all those teams are going to have buys, and then you're going to beat a team that's on the bubble with you, so you would seem to lobby you up further. The only team I think that could survive not making the championship game at this point seems like San Diego State. The other problem I have with playing UNLV... Aggies record versus UNLV in Vegas, three and nineteen. That's not great. They're 
looking <laughs> the way the bracket's set up now, you better better win those two games and hope <laughs> you move out of well, the Well, here's the thing, though. Is, is Okay, so do you have the standings right there? Yeah, I got you. UNLV plays once or twice this week. Oh, I got you. Um, and with those two games, if they were to lose those two games, would it move them back or up or... So UNLV has oh, but it's a four or five game, so it wouldn't matter. Huh? UNLV has no, no, that's Nevada boys. Oh, okay, sorry. UNLV's eight and eight. Ahead of them is Nevada at nine and seven. Behind them is Fresno at eight and ten, and Wyoming at six and eight. So they need to lose. Yeah, and we need San Diego State to win. Really, I think you'd want them to slide down because and I mean, then either way, you're getting. You're I want getting, San Diego State to win because I want to. I want to have them keep that one seed. And we want Boise State to stay in that four seed because they're in the same bracket. If Colorado State and us can just, you know, play in that two three seed, that's great. That's that's wonderful. That's where I'd like it at. Yeah. So look. avoid Boise State, San Diego State, and hopefully UNLV in the first round. Yeah. So San Diego State to UNLV. That's Wednesday. And then what else we got here? I'm scrolling through the whole schedule. There's some good games this week. Oh, there's some really good games this week. And and with that, there's some meaningful games for the Aggies too. Even though it doesn't seem like it with Wyoming and Fresno, you just need to pile meaningful. dubs. Yep, yep. Just win out. That's all you got to do. Just win, baby. Why is that the only Mountain West game that like in the middle of the week? I'm already the dude. I'm telling you, the schedule is really, really weird because Boise or San Jose State plays at the first of the week. Aggies cap off the week with a Fresno game at nine o'clock at night Mountain Time. Yeah, that made my it was my hall of shame this week on our podcast because it just doesn't make any sense to me. No, not at all. Why did it stick them in the middle late? of the week? Yeah, but as we already mentioned, or at least we mentioned in, in last week's show, um, Craig Smith just wants to play games. He just wants games. He wants his kids to get some reps to stay fresh. Um, and I was thinking about it, AJ. If you beat Wyoming, and you know that you're locked into that three seed. Because Colorado State will have already well, yeah, Colorado State have already played against Nevada by the by uh, the time your game tips off against Fresno, and you know what seed you'll be in. Do you maybe sit your starter? Like, do you just play bench people and let your kids? Like, okay, maybe play your starters for like the first ten or so minutes. I sparingly. I don't think so. Because I still think there's a way for Utah State to get an at large. If Utah State wins this week, both games this week, and then let's say loses to Boise or San Diego State in the Mountain West Championship game, I think they're still in. But I think if you sit them and you take the loss to Fresno, then you got it. Then your only your only route is to win the whole thing. And I guess so. I guess the argument is, I mean, Craig Smith has won it two straight years. So your argument is, do you take fresh guys in and go for three straight years? I don't think so. I think you get your guys reps and you you assume he's going to win it. You prepare like you're going to win. I'm not trying to like say like he's not going to win it. And if you win, great, you're automatically in. But I think there's a way Utah State could still qualify by not winning the Mountain West tournament. It's a good point. It's a great point. Uh, before we go to break, did you hear about this last night? Ryan Corbett, who is the senior and equipment manager for the Utah State basketball team. Uh-huh. Was honored last night uh, from the team as for all the great work he does. I did see that he had been. Ryan is a wonderful, wonderful individual with a like bigger than the world size heart, who is just as loving and kind as an individual as you'll ever meet, with no ego, no attitude, and just a really, really good dude. Last night they're up twenty-two. 
and there's some physical play on one end. And uh, Utah State's bench doesn't like it. Ref turns around and whistles a technical. Cambridge shooting the free throws. Here's our offender. Now that's now he's actually a yeah he's a senior manager. He was, he was honored, honored before, before the game, game, right? Yes. And you can't hide when you're going to wear those shoes. <laughs> you can't. I think Craig is smiling <laughs> under the mask. I mean, I mean, look. Usually you start. <laughs> Here's the best part. So he has bright green shoes on. I mean, they are beautiful bright green shoes. He showed them off on his Instagram page. The crazy part is he's not the one who got the technical. <laughs> but, dude, everyone thought it was him. He got the allowed ovation for getting the technical. Well, for what they, everyone thought he got the technical. There's people clapping. Uh, I'm on it. I'm just dying laughing. I mean, because here's the thing is when they whistled the technical towards that bench, he was standing up. <laughs> and so everybody thought it was on Ryan. And Ryan's like, what did I do? And then I look over at Craig. And Craig looks at the referee and is like, what did he say? And supposedly the ref said, I'm not going to let the bench talk to me. It's got to be the coaches. And Craig's like, and you hear him mouth it. Really? (laughs) So Ryan, this wonderful, wonderful kid gets, everyone blames him for the technical that he never got. But man, he's getting all the love, all the credit, and all the attention. So I texted Ryan earlier today. And I said, Ryan, you take that credit. Okay? You are single and ready to mingle. Let's get you a girl. I mean, dude, you are the man on campus. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Doug Gottlieb was talking about his shoes, <laughs> yeah. so that's by the pretty way, big deal. Doug Gottlieb is as arrogant as he sounds on his radio show. I found out yesterday. <laughs> All right, uh, coming up on the second hour of the full court press, we're going to talk some Utah Jazz basketball. They split the weekend series. We'll get ready for the All Star game as well here on the full court press. Welcome back to the full court press. Hour number two. AJ Net. I'm AJ Salveson. Thanks for joining us. However, where are you doing? So on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, the fan. 106onthefan.com and streaming on the 106onthefan mobile app. Hey, just before we get going here on hour number two, don't forget that the Best in Northern Utah contest, which is presented by Thermo Fisher, is already going on. Now, you can start nominating the the best businesses in Northern Utah, and uh, businesses must be nominated in order to be voted on by the community for the Best in Northern Utah 2021. Nominate your business or a business you love. And uh, you can do so at thebestofnorthernutah.com. Again, it's presented by Thermo Fisher, where they are hiring uh, Utah Jazz are the best in the league right now. And you've been saying that for what, two months now? Yeah. It's been a, it's been a minute since they were the one. But seat. yeah, but here's the thing is, it, I mean, you don't want to like let go of the moment because it's just fun to say, hey, they're the best in the league. They're cruising. They they're have still, the best. They're know. the only team that has single digit losses because they've got seven. Next closest is the Lakers and Clippers with 11. That's nuts, dude. And the Suns, excuse me. So, over the weekend, the Jazz played the Heat and the Magic. We'll start with the Heat. Uh, the Heat beat the Jazz 124-116. Uh, Heat improved to 16-17, and 9-7 and at home. Jazz 26, or excuse me, 25-7, and 11-5 and uh, on the road. Uh, Butler and Drogic were really, really good in this game. Uh, Butler, for himself, had 33 points, 10 boards, 8 assists. Uh, Drogic came off the bench, added 26, uh, three boards, two assists. Uh, they also got 19 from Bam Bam, uh, 12 from Kendrick Nunn, and 15 from Duncan Robinson. Uh, you know, here's the thing: is is people like to overreact to losses when you have a record like the Jazz do? But 
I honestly didn't think they were going to sweep that weekend series. Well, I mean, look, they're the number one team. It's some they're not going to win every game. Yeah, you're not going to go seventy two and zero. Not to mention the Heat are got to they got to be getting desperate at this point because everybody you know they made the run of the finals, they got beat up, and everybody's like, oh, okay, they're gonna you know they're gonna be a contender in the East. I'm looking at the standings right now. Do you know where the Heat are? Where fifth. Really? Boston Raptors 17 17 Dude, 17 okay. 17. Here's the here's the, here's the crazy part. Look, tell me who's in fourth. The Knicks. <laughs> Hit man, the music, baby. The East sucks. <laughs> the Knicks are fourth, yeah, man. Are. <laughs> half a game up on all those teams I just mentioned. I love it. The Hornets are eighth, half a game down on the three teams I mentioned. That's crazy. I hate the Hornets. I love the Knicks, though. I'm good. Yeah. Heck yeah, go Knicks. I'm the, cool with that. The East is atrocious. Uh, the Jazz have lost just their third game in their last 25. Uh, it was, I mean, it was really good basketball both ways, to be honest with you. Again, Bam Bam had 19. He had 11 boards. Uh, Duncan had 15. And they held Utah to 29% shooting in the fourth quarter. That's not good. In fact, the Jazz actually overall for the game in itself uh, shot... 15 of 46 from three. They were 21 to 23 at the line, and they shot 42% from the field. 15 of 46 from three. Cage is gonna go and they cold. lost by eight. The question is going to be, I think, so, and we'll get into this a little bit more. When that happens, can you get Conley and, and Mitchell to create? So if the shots just ain't falling one night, which happens. Yeah. Because, like, I'm all on board. This is the way the NBA's gone. If you can hit them at a high clip, we just saw the, the Jazz over, what, the game against the Lakers and the game against, uh, was it Charlotte, right, the night before mm-hmm. or two nights before, hit, like, 54 three-pointers or whatever it was. I'm all for it. The NBA goes that way. You can hit them at a high clip, hit them. Uh, advanced statistics say it's the best way to do it. But, I mean, look, the, the Jazz ought to be pretty familiar with a team that did that a whole lot. Houston did that, and how did it work out for them? <laughs> got to be able to generate some offense some nights when the shots ain't going. Donovan Mitchell had 30 for the Jazz, but he missed eight of his final nine shots. Uh, they got 17 for Bojan, uh, 15 from Gobert, and 14 from Conley. Clarkson and Ingle had 13 apiece. Uh, they were out-rebounded 50-36, to 36, which isn't great. Yeah, that's not good. Nope. And then they had the second-largest differential of any team against uh, Utah this season. But, again, the shot, I mean, just 15-46 of 46 is bonkers to me, dude. Well, if you're going to shoot that bad and then get destroyed on the rebounds, I mean, it's a recipe for failure, especially for a team like Miami who's who's uh, not played well. It's usually probably usually missed three-pointers is a quick way to get into transition. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Derek Favors, he played. By the way, Derek Favors playing his 607th career regular season game with Utah. That breaks a tie with Ricky Green for ninth on the team's all-time list, oh, which nice. is pretty awesome. Congratulations. Next up on the list is Byron Russell for him, who is a 628. Uh, and Gobert has scored uh, his 6,000 p- career point in the Miami game with about a minute 53 left from the charity stripe. So uh, good on both of them. Uh, and then, of course, after that, if you lose to the Heat, you got to beat the Magic, right? I, I mean, mean they're, they're terrible, so yeah, I'd hope so. Yeah, well, <laughs> but you know how the Jazz can be capable of playing at the team's or the opponent's level. Not the case in this situation that the Jazz do beat the Magic 124-109. Uh, strong runaway third quarter really is what it was that got them uh, to separate uh, from the Magic, and they now are twenty-seven and seven on the season, 12, five, 12 and five on the road. Magic are thirteen and twenty-one and eight and ten inside of their home backyard. Mitchell had thirty-one. Ingles uh, played well again at, uh, 
in regard place of Mike Conley. Um, again, they, I mean, just six and one following a loss is 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 pretty darn good. Uh, and they uh, they've lost consecutive games just once all season long, and not since January sixth when they were four and four. That's that's just incredible. Yeah, it is. So uh, and then Mitchell, uh, who was scoreless in the first quarter, he scored twenty five of his thirty one in the second half. That's clutch points. Twenty five of thirty one in the baby. second half, man. Fifteen of them were in the third, and they had a four point lead at half, and they put it to fourteen by the end of the third. And they're twenty five and zero in leading after three quarters, and they've won by double digits for the twenty third time this season. So let me ask you this. Shoot. We'll get into Nick Wright's comments, but obviously the comparison's going to be, and I got into this argument with my brother, and we'll we'll segue, but so like P- Nick Wright says, oh, uh, look at the Atlanta Hawks and that team they had, because I, I think they were 60 and 22 or something like that the year, 61 and 21. And they were the one seed, and everybody's like, oh, this ball space and offense is going to be great, and then they got swept by LeBron. They had absolutely crushed by the Cavs. So the arg- <laughs> the argument is like you can do it in the postseason or you can do it in the regular season, but can you do it in the postseason? Here's my point when it comes to those teams like Atlanta, and my brother disagrees with me, but I'll ask you: Who was the best player on that Atlanta team back in fourteen? Yeah, probably Joe Johnson. He was no, no, no. Well, Johnson wasn't there, was no. he? Paul Millsap. You say Millsap? I would have said Horford, but okay, I'll, I'll give you Millsap. Millsap was pretty darn no, good. No, Millsap was good. No argument. My, then my next question, and this is what's different to me. Would you ever consider Paul Millsap a star? Uh, No. I don't think so either. I'd consider him a very good player, but no one's like Paul Millsap, star. Very good player and a good team. And that's the difference to me. Jazz have Mitchell, who to me is a star, working his way towards superstar status. And Gobert, who I think you know, people want to talk about his offense. I think it's improved, but he's a defensive difference maker. He's a defensive year of a defensive player of the year candidate every year. Not to mention they're going to have probably the sixth player of the year because I don't know if anybody's going to catch Jordan Clarkson if he stopped playing right now. And they're going to have obviously the coach year, but uh, Budenholzer won it for the Hawks that year because the loose. The other argument I heard Nick Wright make, and I think it was actually you guys. You played a clip, AJ, and he was talking about how. They're all from the Budenholzer tree, so that just means they choke or something. Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Should we play the Nick Wright clips? I mean, you can, just to put more perspective on them. I mean, people want to be mad. Uh, actually, I've got two clips here of the Jazz from Nick Wright. Man, he must have been really, really bored. Uh, yeah, so one, and I think we played this uh, before, and one of them was talking about um, that the Jazz have zero percent chance to win a title because the Lakers didn't have AD, and so it, I mean with Lonzo and Ingram back of that kind of team, uh, but with AD there, then things get. This is after the Lakers' fourth straight loss to the Jazz, by the way. So this is this is what he's going off of. Here is this. He's look. He has a really bad show. I put him and Doug Gottlieb as the two worst ever. But here is Nick Wright. After the Jazz have beaten the Lakers um, without Anthony Davis, some of my dang it freaking ads! I swear to life, I hate ads. <laughs> oh look, there's a skip button. That's cool. Here we go. Hold on. Give credit to the Jazz. They are currently the best team in the NBA. They're the hottest team in the NBA. If you're a gambler, they have been a godsend. They are twenty and three against the spread in their last 23 games, and all of those accolades should be mentioned 
at the end of the season when they have a nice little party alongside the 2015 Hawks and the 2018 Raptors and the 2019 Bucks of awesome regular season teams that have a 0% chance to win the title. So it's a nice accomplishment. It's a well-rounded roster. Good job by everyone involved. And their season will end in probably the second round of the playoffs. Now to the Lakers. This Laker team reminds me of somebody. The Laker team, LeBron was on his first year with the Lakers. Pretty good on defense most nights. Can't hit a shot to save their lives. And if LeBron isn't excellent, and last night he was far, far from excellent, they're going to struggle to beat anybody. Because this, without Anthony Davis, and Schroeder's important as well, but he's obviously not level of Anthony Davis, this team is a lot like that Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Laker team alongside LeBron. So if this is the Laker team that shows up in the playoffs, if Schroeder takes a sabbatical and AD never comes back, they're screwed. It's not going to be the Laker team that shows up in the playoffs. So no, Jenna, for the 19th consecutive year, I am not concerned about a LeBron James team having a swoon shortly before the All-Star break. Okay, so the Bucks team... The Bucks team is worth mentioning because obviously Giannis is a superstar, but he got hurt. And he got hurt. Everybody's also done with Giannis now. Nobody believes the Bucks. The Raptors, the Raptors and the the Hawks to me are not the same team. Donovan. Are Mitchell, we taking that seriously? Yeah. See, who's taking that seriously right now? Donovan Mitchell to me is better than anybody that was on those Raptor and Hawks teams. Frankly, Gobert is up there with I think one of the better players as well. Can I also say too his point that his point is so if this Lakers team shows up in the playoffs, they're screwed. But this Lakers not going to show up in the team. AJ, do you know how many games? AD has missed in his career? No. A buttload. It's like 20%. Wow. Now, he had he had the year last year, and nothing from the Lakers, not taking anything from him because AD was just as big as LeBron. I was one of the people that was making the case. I was like, AD might deserve a little bit more MVP love than he's getting. We all know LeBron's going to get the MVP, but AD might deserve a little bit more love. But, like, AD's always been hurt. So Nick Wright's saying, no, no, he's going to be back. You better hope so. Also, I would like to point out, this has nothing to do with the Jazz as a whole either, but do you know who the second and third teams in the West are right now? Mm-mm. Lakers and Clippers. Do we really expect them to move behind the Suns? <laughs> like, no offense, you and I are on board with the Suns. We think they're a good team. But I think the Lakers and Clippers, we're pretty dead set, going to be up there with the Jazz all season, right? Sure. I think it would be a big deal not to have to play those teams in the second round. Yeah. Well, and who, who scares you more, Lakers or Clippers? With both healthy. It has to be Lakers. I want to say Clippers just because you have the, the wing just, depth yeah, and their the depth. Clippers. That's but exactly the, what I think. The yeah. choke job, I, at this point I'll say Lakers unless I think see the Clippers put it together. Because I don't think firing Doc Rivers and switching to Tyler who solves their was problems. The, yeah, and, and that wasn't the issue, was, by the way. And letting go of the sixth man of the year and saying he was a cancer because he wanted us to try hard. Letting Harold go to your biggest rival is also a stupid move too, but... No, whatever. Yeah, that still doesn't make sense. And okay, it, by the way, and again, we'll get back to Jazz here in just a moment. Do you know what's really starting to annoy me? And he's becoming the new Draymond Green in regards to verbal. Paul George? No. Oh. Ben Simmons. Like, yeah. Him coming out and saying, Yeah, I'm the best defensive player player in the league. <sighs> I mean, he was on you the You can't be uh... thinking about it. In the league, the best defensive player. I mean, I ben would say Simmons. no. I think he's up there. But the the the, the follow up to that state would be, "Hey Ben, how about a jump shot?" Oh yeah, and then by the way, he had his fourth three. So everybody, give him a standing ovation. 
Look, I, I think Doc Rivers is a good coach. I think he's massively overrated. If you look at his performance in clutch games. You think Doc? Doc Rivers is overrated. No Look way. at his record in clutch games. Look at his record when he's up 3-2, 3-1, or in game seven. It's terrible. It is god-awful. Okay, but okay, but think of some of those game seven losses. So he lost game seven to the Lakers in the finals, but they didn't have Kendrick Perkins because yes, he, he was out. Yes, I agree. Uh, lost game seven once or twice to the Heat with LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and then one of those years they had Ray Allen too. I think it was two years. Uh, they lost game seven to the Utah Jazz. Um, Blake Griffin was out. That does matter, by the way, in the first round Man, of the playoffs. about somebody who hasn't aged gracefully, by the way. Oh, I know. Yeah, Blake, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel bad for him. He's in Detroit, but man, you ain't really that good, are you, yeah, Blake? Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> um, yeah, so some of those game seven losses, I don't, I mean, look, LeBron and Dwayne Wade were just a different animal. I mean, dude, and and, they, and LeBron was in his prime too. By the way, he's played he's played some good teams. He is overrated. That is crazy. He's overrated. Le, okay, Hall of Fame coach. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Let me ask you this though: they're the one seed, right? So they're they're half a game up on Brooklyn. Do the 76ers make it to the finals? No, I don't think so either. Heck no. I got yeah, Brooklyn's Brooklyn's running away with that thing in the playoffs. Ah, I mean, if it goes the way I think, I I don't know that the 76ers beat the Bucs. Well, Durant's been out with some like hamstring soreness or something I, I like gotta, that. We'll see. I gotta be honest. I wrote an article when they made the the just the addition for uh, Kevin Durant and Irving. I said it wasn't gonna work because I thought Irving was gonna blow it up, and then they added Harden. I was like, oh, this is absolutely not gonna work. They, I'll, I'll eat crow if they get it if they get to the finals. Uh, let alone win it, but we'll see. I mean, we all know these super teams, there's not like one hiccup and then it's all figured out. There's another hiccup coming at some point, and I just, I still don't think they have the mental capacity, but man, as someone who's been really critical of James Harden, that dude deserves a lot of credit because I did not think he would change his game whatsoever, and he's become such a distributor. So credit to him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And then also, I guess with that, would you say... Mike Conley should be an all-star. So you and I talked about this. So yeah, the question is the question is who do you take out? And my argument is there's definitely the West the West reserves are not great to me. I don't think Paul George is an all-star. Um we know AD's not going to play, so there's another opening. And so Booker's the name and he's probably in there, but you and I I think have the same attitude. I I don't like Booker. I think he's like James Harden without the success. He's a really talented offensive player. Hasn't done anything. I got into my argument with my brother about this one too, because I said I don't think he's an all-star. My brother said I was it was crazy because he's averaging like 25 points. And I said, Yeah, he's averaged that two straight two past years. They said, You know what the Suns did those two past years? Nothing. Zip, zilch, zero. And they said, you know what the difference is? Chris Paul. If Booker's stats didn't change whatsoever and they went from not making the playoffs to the middle of the playoff hunt, I mean, that to me shows how worthless he is as a player. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Conley should probably be it. Honestly, Conley should have gotten it at some point. I yeah. can't tell you a year specifically, but it's it's shameful that one of the classiest guys— Never had a technical in his NBA career. —has not has not gotten in. Because and if he doesn't get it this year with being the point guard of the best team in the league, he ain't ever getting in. It's just, it's ridiculous because he's been on some very good teams. And yeah. it's not like even those grindhouse teams, and I know they had Gasol and Randolph. It's not like everyone's like, oh, it's just Gasol and Randolph. No, Conley was a huge part of that. Hmm. 
Uh, Utah Jazz play the Pelicans tonight in New Orleans, so oh, we'll be shortening no. our show tonight. <laughs> Utah Jazz 27-7 again versus the 14-19 and Pelicans. By the way, I would like to add, speaking of the Pelicans, that I am absolutely with Eric on his argument because I heard you guys talking about the reserves the day they broke. Winning should be a factor. Yes, I agree. So Trey Young, no. Yes, he's absolutely not an all-star. Zion has transcended, and I agree with it. I don't think he should be an all-star. Zion Williamson currently leads the team in points at 25 and a half. He's shooting 61% from the field, 70% from the free throw line. And Mitch leads the team in points, Gobert in boards, and Conley in assists. And the Pelicans are the 11th seed at 14 and 9. That's great. Wait, 14 and 19, you mean? 14 and 19, excuse me. Yes. Again, that game will be at 6 p.m. here on this very station, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The fan. Um, Keys for uh, keys for the Jazz to get a win. I think he's played good defense. Shut Zion yeah, down. Yeah, I think you just slow Zion down and see if anybody else could beat you. Ingram's solid. Lonzo's inconsistent. They've got decent role players, but I mean, I expect Zion to get his. Just try not to get in too much foul trouble. Make him work, and then see if anybody else could beat you. I just don't think they can. Which is crazy, too. I mean, just that. I mean, one one guy transcends that team. To 14 wins. That's that's crazy to me. I agree. He's a very good player. Don't get me wrong. He's quickly heading up the list in terms of some of the best NBA players, so he's going to get there. I just think wins matter. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I, I agree with you on that. All right, we'll talk some more NBA basketball, finish up our thoughts on uh, college basketball, and we're also going to get some NFL news. Big, big news in the NFL market today. Uh, as a defensive player is headed to another team to reunite with somebody else, should a quarterback... Head that direction as well. Uh-oh. That's just a theory and a conspiracy theory at that. Love it. <laughs> hey, don't forget our Best in Northern Utah presented by Thermo Fisher. You can go on to bestinnorthernutah.com and vote. Uh, again, we want to thank Thermo Fisher for sponsoring it where they are hiring. That's AJ Knight. I'm AJ Salveson. We'll get to the final segment of our show, the Full Court Press here on 106.9 FM at 1369thefan.com. It is the Full Court Press. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Final segment here. AJ Nettam, AJ Salves, and Eric Abson today. Uh, AJ. Yes. You're a music guy. You uh, co-host VFX in the Morning with Mikhail Taylor on 94.5. Yes. Kesha's birthday today. I love Kesha. I've... Not as much as my girlfriend. I love old Kesha. New Kesha's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New new Kesha's okay. Old Kesha was just smoking. <laughs> yes. TikTok was one of my favorite drugs. Yes. Or uh, drug songs. <laughs> yes, this is a good song. one. This is a good one. Well, I was thinking about the drug song. What was it like? Uh, Your love was my drug, or Your something like that. Your love is my drug. Oh man, I used to boogie She's to a that. Jam. She was a jam. She was so good back then. Yeah, absolutely one of my more. Why does she look like she's like a plastic doll though? Uh, I think she's just she's just. Oh sad. my gosh, look at her. Like I like I love the message and stuff. And some of her new stuff's good. Like my girlfriend really loves it, but I just love the. I don't know, the dance that she did before. I went and saw her live, and she doesn't do it as electronic music. She does as band music. It's just not the same. Yeah. Yeah. 2010 Kesha was awesome, or 09 or Kesha, whatever that is. She was incredible. Really, really good stuff. All right, AJ and I, I'm AJ Salveson here on the Full Court Press. Um, I, I want to go through the standings again here in the Western Conference. Jazz, Lakers, Clippers, Suns, Spurs are fifth, by the way. That's Popovich. Man, when is that guy going to retire, by I don't the way? know. Dude, you think he would have quit by now, went to his like island, and he's a big wine fan. Like, I, I do know that. Here's a question for collection. you. 
I've always defined them as a dynasty because they've always been super crazy competitive, right? But I've heard people make this argument, and I'm starting to come around with it. Five in 20 years is... Five's a lot, but in 20 years... Uh, I know like it's a it's like a like an era of Spurs era as opposed to a Spurs dynasty. Like like the Lakers winning 3 and 3, that's kind of a dynasty. Um how many of the Warriors won? 3? Three? 3. 3 of what was it? 3 of 4. So they need And they two went more. to 5 straight. Okay, so they need two more. Uh the Heat won two. Yeah, they won two and four. They won the middle two. So tell me the last time a team has won five NBA championships in 20 years. I think the Lakers, right? They had three. Didn't they win five in 10 years? So the Lakers won, uh, well, Magic had five. So they won, uh, what, 80? So starting 2000. It's from 2000 on? Yeah. Oh, then no. I mean, it Yeah, would be- they do. Because they, they beat the Pacers. The Spurs' first one was 99. The Spurs won in 99, and then the Lakers won 2001 and 2. And then then the Spurs won in 3. And then the Lakers won, ooh. Then Detroit won in 4. And then the Spurs won again in 5. And then the Lakers won in, uh, they beat back-to-back the Magic and the Celtics. So they've only won 4. Which year did the Celtics win? Now, dude, how do I not know? This is so (laughs) sad. I thought it was Lakers, Celtics, Lakers. Teams. Yeah, I should. This is sad. I don't even know this. Okay, so no, because the the uh, the, uh, the 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 Spurs won in uh, five. Yeah, so they beat. Cavs. Oh, I'm right. They beat the Cavs. The Lakers won in thousand, thousand one, thousand two. Yes, they beat the Pacers, Sixers, and Nets. Yes, and then they won back to back, beating the uh, Celtics and Magic. So they, they won. Back to back. They won five in ten years. So there you go. So other than the Lakers, others would make argument too. You can't have two dynasties at the same time unless Golden State wins two more titles, which yeah. I don't think they will. Unless in, in Clay the next, comes back in the next five to ten years, super healthy next yeah. year, and Steve Kerr still wants to coach. Yeah, I would say so. The Lakers and the Spurs are the only two teams to won five titles in since two thousand. Since two thousand. If you count the 99 title, which I would. I, I just fair. I've always defined this dynasty because they were so good because obviously the Lakers tailed off under uh, when they traded Shaq and then they came back and they tailed off again. So they had prolonged excellence. Just 5 and 20 is in a, a stretch. Suppose the Lakers winning 5 and 10 or, you know, the Bulls won 6 and 8. What is it? The, the Showtime Lakers, I think, won 5 and... Five and ten, I think. I think yeah, it was five championships in ten years. One, they won in 80, 82, 85, 87, 88. And they went back in. Oh, wait. Time out. Am I wrong here? They won. Hold on. <laughs> I got to look it up. Doggone it. By the way, Laker, Celtics versus Lakers 30 for 33 parter. Very good. Oh, it's so good. Very good. Oh, I fell in love with that documentary. Very good. Yeah, that one was really good. Um,. Craziest thing about yeah, that, you know, right? how, so they say it's Celtics versus Lakers, and I, I knew a little bit of my basketball history. I guess I just didn't pay enough attention. You know what's so disappointing? They played each other the final three times. You know what's even more disappointing is LeBron and Kobe never even had a finals appearance together. I agree. You're supposed to go those years, the Celtics and Man, the Magic they went. They could not. Like, the NBA gods just would not allow that to happen. That was when you're supposed to go. 
Then he goes in 05 after he beats this uh, beats uh, single handedly destroys the Pistons and Spurs beat him. Spurs laughed about. It. I mean, because by the way, that was a free one. I went too. back and rewatched that Spurs Pistons series, just like highlights of it. That's a very underrated series for how good I'm it telling was. you. There's a really, I, uh, it's called the. Oh, I just texted it to my dad. I don't remember what it's called. Um, I can't remember. It's Secret Base. Secret Base. I think it's the YouTube channel. They do the collapse series. They talk about how the the Pistons went from nearly winning back to back because they left Big Shot Bob open, and he hit a big one in game. I want to say it was four. Yeah. And it tied. I think it tied the series at two, or put. I think it put the Spurs up three one actually because it was in San Antonio, and they went on to win that one. Otherwise, Detroit would have repeated for the second time in franchise history, and instead they didn't, and then it just kind of collapsed from there because they're like, "Hey, let's trade Chauncey Billups for Allen Iverson," and that just went. Wait, so China, great. wait, wait, wait. That wasn't that later on because Chauncey Billups was a part of the 07 team that got beat by LeBron James and the Cavaliers. Yeah, it was eventually, but they. Started trending oh, down, they and yeah, then that just completely you. destroyed it. I know. And, and another thing that really hurt him, though, is that brawl, the mouse in the palace. Oh, yeah. Because they I mean, were I think a legitimate one, contender that year. That one, I think that really killed the Pacers. Oh, it all. Oh, and see, there's a great article on that on ESPN.com about that. And I would totally agree. It hurt the Pacers more than it hurt the Pistons. It killed the Pacers. Like Jermaine O'Neal, the... Uh, our test. Our test. And was it the Davis brothers were on there? Yeah, Davis brothers. There's Reggie Miller. But Reggie, Reggie Miller was, was injured. Yeah. He was out for a little bit. Mark Jackson was on that team. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a super good team. But, yeah, it killed it killed the Pacers. And they were like, it's our time. It's our time. Michael Jordan's gone. And then that destroyed everything. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. It's crazy. I, I just, you know, as I went back and watched, like, old school basketball in the early thousands, was so good. It was so good. Maybe I mean, some it was, iso ball. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was iso ball, but I mean, it was just it was beat the heck out of you. Last man standing only. Yeah. I mean, I'm reading now. My dad got it for me Christmas. I took a. I flew out this weekend and flew back, so I had time. So I'm reading uh, Three Ring Dynasty. Uh, Perlman, Bruce Perlman wrote it about, or Jeff Perlman, I think is actually his name. Jeff Perlman wrote it about. It's basically it starts from when the Lakers. Uh, Acquire Shaq and Kobe because it was the same offseason. And I think it goes until they trade Shaq. And that uh, just talks about all the behind-the-scenes stuff of how crazy that organization was. Because, I mean, here's a question for you. He, granted, he didn't do himself any favors because Shaq just stopped taking care of himself. But if Shaq and Kobe don't break up, do they? how many more do they win? They win more than Kobe's five? Yeah. yeah. I think so, too. They get one or two more. Maybe two, actually. I'm leaning towards more, too. Because nobody could beat them. Nobody could stop Shaq, and nobody could stop Kobe. And they had a great supporting cast. I mean, you had, you had Shaw, and Shaw was kind of aging. Ori was kind of aging. But Ori didn't need to play many minutes. You just need him when you needed a big shot. Yep, big shot. Um, yeah. Uh, and then you had Derek Fisher, who was young. Yeah. Still really good. Yep. Um, if, and if, Byman, if Andrew Bynum, when did he come into the league? Him and Lamar Odom. Well, they got Odom in the Shaq trade. Oh, is that they how they got Odom? Miami, yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Because, see, here's the thing. If you were able to keep Shaq, swing Bynum your way, dude, that team is hard to beat. Yeah, because the, I mean, the other thing is, the thing to watch is that Shaq just didn't take care of his body, but he lost a bunch of weight when he went to Miami, and he got that fourth one with Wade. Uh, even though Wade did most of the heavy lifting. 
Um, it's interesting because you know you think uh, I, I'm just curious because they're such a such a force, but they could not stand each other. And have you ever seen the interview? It's a one-on-one between Shaq and Kobe, and it's like 40-something minutes long. Uh-uh. Really good. Like, and, and they're straight up with each other. Kobe's like, dude, when I saw you in the finals, I was pissed in 06. Oh, I'm sure. And then Shaq's like, well, I was pretty upset when you won when you beat the Celtics, or the Magic to get yours, and I was really upset when you beat the Celtics to get number two. Yeah. Like, there's, and it's just such an, I mean, I know it's like an egotistical thing between the two, but... um. You can also tell that they have like mad mutual respect for each other. Like, well, I think uh, what was it? They talked about it. Uh, Dwight Howard really changed Kobe's perspective on on Shaq. Oh yes, that That's was so. what a train wreck that was. Speaking yeah. of bad trades, yeah, it was. Hey, big NFL news coming out in the world uh, earlier today. JJ Watt has agreed to a two-year deal with the Arizona Cardinals. Team nobody was talking about, and that's usually how it goes, doesn't it? Uh, terms were not disclosed, but the uh, sources told ESPN's Adam Scheffler the deal was worth $31 million. That includes $23 million guaranteed. Okay, uh, can I ask you this? Yeah. Does that, does that like, no one's going to question him as a person. He's done so much amazing charity work. Does it make you question him as a competitor? No. Like, I'm not saying Aaron, Arizona's not a decent team, but, like, you would think at this point he'd track down winning more than money. No. Look, he gave everything he could to Houston on the football field, and I Houston agree. continued to waste him and waste that franchise. I agree. So wouldn't you want to go to a team that you can win at? I think he feels like he can win in Arizona. Nah, I don't buy it. You don't think so? Not in Arizona. Now, he's 31 years old. He was released by Houston Texans, uh, and and he they granted his request on February 12th. Here's the thing. Why do they grant J.J. Watt but not Deshaun Watson? Well, because they probably – I mean – J.J. Watt arguably probably has just a couple years left, maybe three, maybe, more than likely two. Um, It looks bad, I think, in the organization. Uh, They probably had their feelers out and nobody was going to trade for them, Um, and so they tried to do something classy, but it does look stupid. But, I mean, there's a difference between, I think, finding a defensive end and finding a franchise quarterback. I mean, I'm a Bears fan. Look, finding a franchise quarterback is the hardest (laughs) thing in the world to do. Uh, so yeah, now he reunites, uh, reunites with DeAndre Hopkins. Like if you're Deshaun Watson, you're kind of walking in there like, huh, that's great. Lost my best receiver. Probably lost our defense, best defensive player. And here I still am. I mean, you out. want a blueprint on how to torch an organization. Bill O'Brien's got you covered. Oh yeah. They were great. Oh, gonna, they, they did. I mean, that textbook stuff. Young pass rusher, trade him away for nothing. Best receiver, trade him away for nothing. <laughs> And by the way, he uh, reunites with uh, Vance Joseph, who's the uh, Colonel's defensive coordinator. He was the Texans defensive back. Uh, I think it was during Watt's first three seasons, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. And by the way, they have a fellow pass rusher, Chandler Jones, who's a former Patriot. He led the uh, league in sacks uh, since he was drafted in 2012. He had 97, and second during that span is J.J. Watt with 95 and a half. I mean, they needed the upgrade. I just don't think an aging Watt like. Watt, to me, was going to succeed in a place where he didn't have to be the guy. And he may not be the guy because of Chandler Jones, but, I mean, Chandler Jones is not young either. How's Chandler? He's on the other side of 30. I'm pretty positive. He? Dude, he was he used to be so good, but he's such a drama queen, too. Chandler Jones was born in... Oh, hold on. By the way... uh. J.J. Watt was the 11th pick in the 2011 draft. 
Chandler Jones was born in 1990, so he just turned 31. He was born in February February 27th, 1990. He's 31. Holy crap, dude. J.J. Watt won three NFL Defensive Player of the Year awards. I had no idea. He was dominating. 12 to 15. That's what's so crazy about it. Like, he was dominating. Don't get me wrong. That's I just I just don't think Arizona's the team to win. Arizona at best right now. Why don't now, you believe in Arizona? Because I think Arizona right now is, at best, the third best team in the NFC West. They may still be the fourth best team in the NFC West. Okay, so you would have, what, Niners at what? Niners? Three. Seahawks if they lose Russell Wilson. They're not going to lose Russell Wilson. You you better hope not. They're not trading Russell Wilson. If he wants to go, he can sit and count his money because he signed a contract. I oh. All this talk, like, look. Would you, you Wait, so you rather have him sit on the bench then trade him to an AFC contender and get two firsts out of it. Here's the problem. they If they trade him before June 1st, he is what? $39 million in dead cap money. Yeah. And if you trade him after June, well, you missed the draft. <laughs> so he's not, he's not getting traded. Russell Wilson, I have all the respect. I made the case last year, partway through the season, he should have been MVP, and then he tanked. So, do I think that the star player should have some say, especially the quarterback? Maybe a little bit. I think Pete Carroll's overrated. I think when you look at the offensive line and they're like, yeah, let's trade two first-round picks for a safety, the front office is not great either. So, Russell Wilson has legitimate complaints to me. But Russell Wilson has gone prima donna status since he got with Sierra. Look, I got it. You don't want to get beat up. I'm with it. Your offensive line is atrocious. (laughs) Don't sign the contract then! Does he have any receiving help? Is Metcalf's over there, right? Metcalf, Lockett's inconsistent. He got hurt. They need like, hey, again. His front office isn't great. You want to talk about a franchise who's seen downhill days after their like you know glory years? The Seahawks were that Legion of Boom defense and have now just I mean Pete Carroll's not that great. Russell Wilson has saved his front office and coach's job. It's incredible. That, that, again, I mean, it goes down that quickly, though. You don't get to sign the contract and say, all right, yeah, I'll sign for the highest contract <laughs> ever, and then the next year you're like, all right, get me out of here. Don't put your money, don't put your signature down then, bro. They'll trade you. Who's worth more value if you were to trade him, Russell or Deshaun? That is a good question. I think Russell's contract is cheaper. Um, Man. I don't know. I don't know that you can go wrong either way. I think that Watson is – it's like Russell Wilson is not a problem, but Russell Wilson I feel like is very drama queen-esque, so I think I would take Watson. i take Watson. He has less in, I, Watson, uh, Wilson has less injury history, but I think Watson is younger, and I don't feel like – he's a little bit more expensive, but I like this is the first you've heard of him whining, and I think he's had plenty of reason to whine before. Like anybody who – like if you were drafted – First round pick the last two years, you're like Bill O'Brien. Like I'm whining out the get go. Like this sucks. Please trade me already. I don't want to be here because I don't want to play with. It. I'm, I'm joking. You, if you're the Texans, you didn't have first round pick because he traded it for some third back. So you know. Hey, off uh, off subject, but you're a big Purdue football fan, obviously. Absolutely. Uh, Drew Brees is retired. Can you just give me like your synopsis uh, of seeing him, what he did at Purdue, but then what he ended up doing in his career? Uh, I mean, both the Chargers and the Saints. I mean, in all honesty, you could probably say Joe Tiller is the one of the forefathers, I would say, of the spread offense in uh, in college football. They used to call the Purdue offense with Drew Brees. It was called basketball on turf, or ba- it's probably on grass. Basketball on grass. But he 
He was this no-name guy that worked himself into a, a top-end quarterback, and he took us to a Rose Bowl that we lost because that's what Purdue does. We lose. But it was just – he made us nationally relevant. And then I think I got to see him as the Chargers quarterback. He got replaced by Doug Flutie, but I saw him up in uh, Soldier Field. And uh, I always wanted to cheer for him. And the fact that he came back from a shoulder injury that had teams like, no, nah, we're going to stay away from him is great. I think he's one of the best throwers of the ball. He's one of the most accurate guys. I do think – his place in terms of the greatest all time is not going to be as high as his stats should suggest because the Saints had a lot of empty calorie seasons for him, but he's up there. He's yeah. one of the greats. I like him. I like him. He's obviously a Hall of Famer without a oh, doubt. Yeah, I no mean, doubt. just what he's done with the yes. Saints was, was phenomenal. What um, he's meant for that city, too, in all honesty. Oh, yeah. The charity oh, he's done. During Hurricane Katrina, he yeah. was incredible. Yeah, all that. All right, uh, about 90 seconds left here in today's show. Really quickly, AP Top 25 poll came out earlier today. Gonzaga, Michigan, Baylor, Illinois, Iowa, top five, rounded out. Uh, final top, let's see, the Loyola, Chicago's at 20. Uh, Virginia's at 21. Vodtech, 22. 23, Purdue. 24, yep. Colorado. 25, Wisconsin. Purdue and Wisconsin play tomorrow. Kansas at 13. Arkansas's at 12. I'm telling you, the SEC's weird this year. Yeah, I'm just looking at it. Like, Alabama's at 8. Kentucky's not even going to sniff it's the tournament. It's not even sniffing, yeah. Kentucky's not even going to sniff the NIT. By the way, San Diego State stands at 19. Wait, you don't think, just for like traditional purposes, you don't think they make the NIT? I mean, if I they mean, do, it's only because their name their is Kentucky. Name, yeah. They're not worth that, that amen. tournament. I'm with you. I'm with you. Hey, uh, one more question for you. If Utah State does not make the NCAA tournament, <sighs> do they go to the NIT? They have to, right? Yeah, because I think they would be the third. I think you take them over whoever the other team is in because I think we're pretty set on two of the Mountain West getting yeah. in. By the way, and I, and I forgot to mention this in our first hour when we were talking about Utah State, three best plays of the night. Beans diving save that landed him in the tunnel, and then he went back and got to the other side. She'll get through a sexy 45-foot bounce pass, and Raleigh Worcester had to go save a ball coming right at me and like bounced it between his legs coming out of bounds. Saved your life. Dude, it was incredible. I'm just saying, it was amazing. That's all I'm saying. All right, that's AJ Knight. I'm Audrey Salison. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show of the Full Court Press. You'll be able to find it on podcast. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Recap yep. Jazz Basketball here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.